It is day four of Daftezayim. We are holding the Gemara in Daftezayim. We're based two lines down from the top of the page at the start of the Gemara, following the Mishnah that we learnt yesterday. In the Mishnah, we learnt a dispute whether one can perform smicha, which is leaning on the animal. It's part of the service of sacrificing the animal. Can one perform that on Yom Tov? We have multiple pairs of rabbis, one of whom said yes and one of whom said no. Now, each of these pairs, we said, was special. Each of these pairs were the Nasi and the Av Bezdin in each, in each of multiple generations. And as we went through the generations, the Nasi and the Av Bezdin argued about this. One of them said yes and one of them said no. At the end of the Mishnah, the Mishnah told us, that the first of each of the pairs listed in the Mishnah, the first person in each grouping, was the Nasi of the court, the more senior rabbi. Whereas, Bezdin, the second person listed in each pair, was the Av Bezdin, the number two in the court. That was the end of the Mishnah. The Gemara begins and reflects. The Gemara says, according to the Mishnah's criteria that we've just read for establishing who in each of these pairs was a Nasi, it turns out one of the two pairs was Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimon ben Shetach. Yehuda ben Tabai is mentioned first. So according to the Mishnah's criteria, it turns out Yehuda ben Tabai is the Nasi and Shimon ben Shetach, who's mentioned second in the grouping, was the Av Bezdin. That is based on the Mishnah, Yehuda ben Tabai must have been the Nasi and Shimon ben Shetach the Av Bezdin. The Gemara now brings a dispute about this point. Tana Rabban and the Rabbis taught in Ibraisa. The three sages of the first three pairs who said not to perform smicha, if you look in the first three pairs, the three rabbis who said not to perform smicha, they were Yosi ben Yezer, Yehusha ben Parachia, and Yehuda ben Tabai who is the subject of the discussion we're about to have. He was listed first, and he was one of the first three pairs. And the two sages of the latter two pairs, Sha'amru Lismoch, who said to perform smicha, who were the two rabbis in the latter two pairs who said one should perform smicha? They were Shmaya and Hillel. They were all the Nasim of their courts. And the second one of each of these pairs, who were Yosef and Yochanan, Nittah, Arabeli, Shemun, Shetach, Avtalion and Shammai, they were the Av Bezdin. Div Rabbi Meir, that's the position of Rabbi Meir. Now this view of Rabbi Meir reflects the criteria at the end of our Mishnah. Because the three rabbis in the first three pairs who said one should not lean, and the two rabbis in the latter two pairs who said one should lean, they were the ones who were mentioned first. And therefore, this fits with the criteria of Rabbi Meir. It turns out Rabbi Meir is probably the author of our Mishnah. And he holds very clearly that Yehuda ben Tabai, who is going to be the subject of the discussion now, Yehuda ben Tabai was a Nasi because he's mentioned first. Yehuda ben Tabai av Bezdin, while the sages say, Yehuda ben Tabai av Bezdin, v'shim ben Shetach Nasi. They say, we agree with you, Rabbi Meir, on everything except for one point. One of the pairs we think you've got the wrong order. Actually, Yehuda ben Tabai is the Av Bezdin, and Shimon ben Shetach was the Nasi. Not like you, Sir Rabbi Meir, that Yehuda ben Tabai was the Nasi because he was mentioned first. Rather, Yehuda ben Tabai in his generation was the Av Bezdin, and Shimon ben Shetach was the most senior rabbi. He was the Nasi. Now, based on this b'risa, the Gemara now identifies the authorship of another b'risa. The Gemara says, Man tana lahadu tana rabbanan. Who is the Tana who authored the following b'risa? Omar Yehuda ben Tabai. Yehuda ben Tabai said, Ere ben Echoma, may I see consolation? I've made a mistake. I want to see consolation. What had he done wrong? If I have not executed an aid zomim witness, a single zomim witness, for testifying falsely about a capital crime. Now, before we continue, we have to explain what an aid zomim is. Generally speaking, in order to find someone guilty of something in Jewish law in a court, you need two kosher witnesses to come to the court and testify against that person. So imagine two people come and they testify that person A killed person B. 
if they are found to be true witnesses and their testimony stacks up and they warn the person and all the criteria are met, which is actually very difficult to achieve, then person A will be found guilty of killing person B and person A can be put to death by the court. Or maybe they'll come and testify that person A committed a transgression for which he's liable, lashes. So then person A will be given lashes by the court once they have substantiated the testimony of the two witnesses. However, generally speaking, if a second set of witnesses come and contradict the first set of witnesses, then we discredit the first set of witnesses and then person A cannot be punished for what he was charged with because we've discredited the testimony of the two witnesses. And the two witnesses who initially testified, now that their testimony has been discredited, generally speaking, they would go home, continue their lives, albeit with a damaged reputation for having provided perhaps testimony that was contradicted in court. However, there's an exception to this. It's an unusual exception. It's a little bit counterintuitive as the Gemara concedes in several places. That is the law of the Adam Zomni. If two witnesses come and testify that person A killed person B, and then two other witnesses come and say that the first set of witnesses could not possibly have seen person A kill person B on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock in the park with a hammer, because at that time on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock in the park, they were with us, those witnesses were with us, Imanu Hayusem, but Makamploni, they were with us somewhere else entirely. They couldn't possibly have been where they said they were to observe this murder happen or this capital offence happen because they were with us at exactly that time in another place entirely. This is the law of Adam Zomin. The contradiction is not just a contradiction in some of the details of the case. It's not just a contradiction um, in some other detail that, they, that the second set of witnesses contradict the first set. It's a very specific contradiction, which is you cannot possibly testify to this event because at that very time that you testify you saw this person kill this person, you were actually with us in another place. These witnesses were with us in another place. And when these second set of witnesses come and say, you could not possibly have seen this happen because you were with us in another place entirely at that very time, they cause the first set of witnesses to become Adim Zomimim. And when that happens, the law is that whatever the first set of witnesses tried to cause to happen to the accused, so if they accused him of murder and they were trying to give him the death penalty, or if they accused him of some other capital case and they were trying to give him lashes, whatever they tried to perpetuate, whatever they tried to get the court to find the accused guilty of, that punishment is given to the Adim Zomim in themselves. The Torah says, Ka'asher zamam That which they tried to cause to happen to their friend, that is done to them. And according to the law of the Gemara, they only get that punishment if the accused has not yet been given the punishment that they tried to cause him, if he's not yet been given the lashes or not yet been put to death. Because the Torah says, like they tried to cause to happen to the other person, but that implies they weren't yet successful in causing to happen to the other person. So if the person's already been put to death and then they're found to be zomin, then they're not put to death. If the accused has already been given lashes and then they're found to be Adim Zomin, they're not given lashes. But if they tried to cause him to get lashes and he was found guilty of it, but he wasn't yet given the lashes, or they tried to get him put to death and he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death, but he wasn't yet put to death, then they're found to be Zomin, then they get the same punishment they tried to cause him to get. So that is the law of Adim Zomin. So what is the apology that is being made here by Yehuda ben Tabai? The Brisa says, Yehuda ben Tabai says, Ereb ben Echoma, may I see consolation for the mistake I've made. I killed a Zomim witness. I killed someone who was found guilty to, of being an Eid Zomim. In other words, a second set of witnesses came and said, you were with us in another place 
at the same time you say you saw this event happen. So he testified falsely about a capital crime. And he said that the accused should be put to death by a court. And then a second set of witnesses came and said, no, you were with us at another place at that very time. And I executed him. I put him to death. I did this to counter the view of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, were a heretical sect who followed the Torah Shabbat, the written Torah, very carefully, but not the oral law. They didn't agree with the oral law interpretations that were passed down from Har Sinai or that the rabbis established as being true from the rules that Hashem gave us to learn out to explain the Torah. So he said, I put this person to death to counter the view of the Sadducees because they said, They said, Zomim witnesses are not executed for their false testimony unless the accused has already been executed on account of their testimony. They learn out from the Torah saying, Nefesh be nefesh, that you, you take a life for a life, that only if the person's already been executed, if the, if the accused has already been executed, and then the witnesses are found to be Zomim, only then do you put them to death. Only then do you give them the punishment that they tried to cause the other person to get. But if the accused has not yet been given that punishment, then you don't give the, the witness that's found to be a Zomim witness, you don't give him the punishment. That's what the Sadducees hold. It's not true. So along comes Yudha ben Tabai and says, I killed an Eid Zomim to counter the view of the Sadducees, to show them that they're not right what they're saying. I said, no, you're incorrect. If the person's already been given the punishment, then we don't give the Adim Zomimim the punishment that they caused him to get. It's only if he hasn't yet been given the punishment, if the accused has not yet been put to death or not yet been given the, the lashes, then we can give the Adim Zomimim the punishment that they tried to cause him to get. Amalei Shimon ben Shetach. And Shimon ben Shetach came and said to Yehuda ben Tabai, May I see consolation if you have not shed innocent blood? You've made a mistake if that's what you did. Because the sages said, He said to him, you're correct in your dispute with the Sadducees. The Sadducees are wrong. If the person's already been put to death, then we don't punish the Edim Zomim with the punishment that they caused him to get. But you're wrong about one thing. The rabbis say you cannot execute Zomim witnesses unless both of them are proven to be Zomim. And they don't get lashes unless both have been proven to be Zomim. They don't have to pay the money that they caused the other person to pay or tried to cause them to pay unless they're both proven to be Zomim. And in the case that you explained, Yehuda ben Tabai, you said you've only killed one of the two witnesses because only one of them was found to be Zomim. In other words, the second set of witnesses came and said, one of these two first witnesses was with us in another place at the time he said he observed the crime. In such a case, Shimon ben Shetach says to Yehuda ben Tabai, they're not Zomimin, because only one of them has been discredited in this way. Granted that the, um, the testimony is discredited because there's only one witness left, but they're not considered to be Zomimin unless both of them are found to be Zomimin, unless the second witnesses come along and say, both of you are with us in another place. Or... Two separate witnesses come and say, one of you was with us, and the, and the other one says, you, the other one was with us, that they're both found to be Zomimin. But if only one of them is found to be Zomimin, then they're not considered to be Adim Zomimin. And therefore, since the single witness executed by Yehuda ben Tabai was the only one of the pair who was a Zomim, he shouldn't have been executed. Immediately, Yehuda ben Tabai took upon himself that he would never rule on a matter of law unless he was in the presence of Shimon ben Shetach, so that if he made a mistake, Shimon ben Shetach could help him. 
For all the rest of his life, Yehuda ben Tabai would go and prostrate himself on the grave of that man that he had wrongfully executed to beg forgiveness. The sound of his voice would be heard. He was crying, he was calling, he was asking forgiveness. People who were walking past and couldn't see the grave. They thought it was the grave of the executed man that they could hear coming from the grave. That he was calling out, aggrieved that he'd been put to death for the wrong reasons. Amalehem, Yehuda ben Tabai said, Kolihu, that's my voice you're hearing. I'm there apologizing to him. I'm there crying out to him. Teidu, and you should know, you, I can prove to you that it's me. One day I'll die, he said, Yehuda ben Tabai said, and you won't hear the voice anymore. Then you'll know that it was me crying all along. The Gemara interjects briefly with a question that it won't answer. The Gemara says, Amalei Rav Achabari, the Rav Ravashi, Rav Achabari, the son of Rav, said to Rav Ashi, how does the fact that the voice would stop after Yehuda ben Tabai died, how would that conclusively prove that the voice coming from the grave wasn't the dead man's voice, but was Yehuda ben Tabai's voice? Because Vidilma Payuse Paisei, maybe it just so happened that after Yehuda ben Tabai died, the man from the grave forgave him. And really the voice all along was the man from the grave's voice. But after Yehuda ben Tabai died, the man forgave him. Or maybe after Yehuda ben Tabai died and arrived in the heavenly court, the man stopped crying from the grave because he took Yehuda ben Tabai to the heavenly court to take up his case with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the heavenly court. And he, and he stopped crying out from the grave in this world because now Yehuda ben Tabai joined him in the next world. So the Gemara asks a question that it doesn't answer. The Gemara says, this isn't really a conclusive proof for people. How would people really conclusively know that it wasn't Yehuda ben Tabai's voice just because the voice stopped after Yehuda ben Tabai died? Maybe it was actually the man from the grave's voice and it just so happened that after Yehuda ben Tabai died, the man forgave him or, or the man took him to a heavenly court now that he'd arrived in the heavenly court now that Yehuda ben Tabai had died. Now we're going to hold it for today and continue. We'll get back on track with the Gemara tomorrow, but we're out of time. I wish you a very good day.